Hey folks, just a quick warning. In this episode, we discuss some fairly intense subjects, including addiction, suicide, and other mental health challenges. Behind the triumphs and glory that grace the sporting arenas, there lies a lesser known battle fought within the hearts and minds of these extraordinary individuals. Athlete mental health, a topic often shrouded in silence, but that holds immense importance. Behind every gold medal lies trauma, self-doubt, fear, and pain. From the darkest lows to our proudest moments, we'll discover the unbreakable spirit that resides within every athlete, reminding ourselves that mental health is not a barrier, but a catalyst for extraordinary achievements. Hey, we know we know David's on borrowed time here because his son's football practice and pretty soon the kids will be screaming and yelling and jumping in the car right David yeah pretty so, much so we'll 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 kind of get rolling um, I know you guys don't all know each other but we'll have everybody do some introductions as part of the kickoff in a second here and then I guess you'll get to know each other but uh, we really do appreciate uh, everybody making the time to come on we've been trying to put this together for a while I think Co's been reaching out to folks for couple months and just either us or you guys somebody always had a <laughs> something going yeah. on but we did it we did it so here we are um so i'll just get this thing rolling so hey welcome everybody to another episode of the c4 podcast we are doing things a little differently today typically what we do is we interview athletes either about their own journeys or we dive into a, a specific sport with groups of athletes in that sport today we're covering a subject that's near and dear to coach heart um, athlete mental health. Okay. Um, before we dive in, I wanted to give a big congratulations to Davi Prate from episode 16. We wanted to have him on tonight. Unfortunately, we, we couldn't get everybody coordinated, but he just finished up his getting his PhD in clinical psychology from the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, with an emphasis in athlete mental health. And specifically, he's about trying to pr improve athletic performance through mental health. Um, he couldn't be here tonight. Huge congratulations to him. One of the reasons he can't be here tonight, he's in the process of moving to Los Angeles. He is going to be working with the USC Trojans um, in helping them get their athlete mental health program put together. Incredibly excited for that. So if you guys see the Trojans football team just skyrocket through the roof this next year, it is all Davi being on the staff over there. So big congratulations to Davi. Um, another thing, quick shout out. We've been doing these small business shout outs. If you want your business mentioned, feel free to send us a DM. We're not charging for this. We're just trying to help out, get the word out. So staying on our theme of um, talking about businesses in Laos from la the last podcast episode, we wanted to give a shout out to Kap Jai De Restaurant in Vientiane. They invited us in when we were over there for the SEA Games with the Lao American athlete contingent, my daughter, and all the other athletes. We had an incredible meal there with the owner and everything. Uh, if you're in the Vientiane area, we highly recommend checking out Kap Jai De Restaurant. I hope everybody on this call knows what that means. I'll put you on the spot, Malai. I do know what that means. Thank you very much. Yes. I like the way you said it, but I, I, I definitely we understand. Oh, my accent's horrible, right? You say it, Ko. <laughs> I, Kap Jai De. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, well, well, it's you know, it, it's how uh, you know the tonal language, man. Give me, uh, give me how, some slack. That's how Ferrari would say it, right? So. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I did my best. All right. Hey, with that, we're we're gonna just go. I mean, this was your idea for the episode. It's something near and dear to your heart. Before we even jump in, tell us why you wanted to cover this subject. Well, I mean, initially we started with uh, with athletes, right? I mean, we wanted to. Uh, focus on Southeast Asian athletes, right? Thailand, Vietnam, Laos, you know, Cambodia, Indonesia, uh, stuff like that. Um, I, I I became a professional bodybuilder, and it was always my mindset from the very from the very beginning of when I was when I was young. It was all physical for me. I didn't think, I didn't think of anything. I didn't understand the psychology of it. I didn't know how to, I, I just pushed, you know, I, I took, you know, you know, you know, my story coming to the States uh, at a young age and getting picked on and, and, you know, just racism, you know, bullying, all that stuff. I 
took all of that and used that negativity as my fuel. And, you know, of course, you know, what ended up, you know, I ended up crashing. And uh, um, it's because I didn't, I didn't un understand the, the mental aspects of sports. No, I mean, I, I taught bodybuilding to myself, right? I learned how to eat by myself, I, I you know, through books and magazines. So no one really, you know, I, I was never under any type of coaching. It was just, um, you know, it was just me learning, teaching myself. And I just thought it was all physical, 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 physical. I, I, didn't, even, I didn't even understand the game of politics, right? And then it is a game, it's a game of politics. I, I had no idea what that was. I just thought I'm going to train my butt off and I'm going to present this amazing physique and I'm going to win and it, it's, it's going to be great. But, but, but no, long story short, I found out, man, it's just, wow. There's, there's such a difference. Uh, it's, it, there's, a, there's a mental aspect that, that shouldn't be overlooked. Right. I mean, it should be appreciated actually. And you know, to hear the word mental health, I didn't hear that growing up in the 70s and 80s. You know, it was just physical, it was athlete. And, you know, nowadays, and understanding myself, like, I, I didn't really, like, understand mental health until after I retired. And then I was like, what, what, what's going on with me? Then I realized I spent 30 plus years on bodybuilding. And now I'm done. And... Uh, for a short period, I was like lost. I didn't, I didn't know who I was, you know. So that kind of opened up my eyes. Like, you know, started, you know, thinking more, learning about, you know, like my feelings, my emotions, what's going on, and yeah, it's it's definitely it's a very interesting subject. And with us, we have Southeast Asian athletes that we, you know, talk about on a podcast. I was like, wow, we never think about mental health coming from a Southeast Asian culture, right? Especially Lao culture, Thai culture. You don't talk about mental health. Everything is swept underneath the carpet or the rug. So to have, you know, to, to do the show and have, you know, uh, three other athletes that are Southeast Asian and who, you know, appreciate the mental health aspect, I thought, you know, I'd, I'd love to hear what other, uh, what other athletes think about uh, the mental health aspect. So yeah, yeah. Mental health. It's like, it, it's, I, it, it's something that I work with every day. You know, every day is a brand new day for me. So some days are better than others. And I think the more I can learn and understand those days, those majority of those days in my future are going to be better. So, but yeah, I just wanted, I thought the two subjects, it's just something you don't hear. You don't talk about athletes or athletics in the Southeast Asian culture, especially growing up when I did. And you sure as hell don't talk about mental health, depression, alcoholism, addiction. You just don't talk about that stuff. So and I think it's time to where I, I believe we should, you know, be more, be more aware and bring, bring that out into the light um, so people can have a healthier life. Thanks, Co. All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to have each of these athletes briefly introduce themselves. They've all have full episodes that they participated in. Just tell us your name and your sport, starting with David from episode seven. Uh, David, last name is Bootsamsi. Um, my parents, obviously from Laos, um, came over here to the States um, towards the end of the war and stuff. So uh, we migrated to California then happen to end up in the East Coast, but I'm currently living in South Bend, Indiana area. Uh, my sport, powerlifting. So uh, I started in high school, did a little bit there, and then went away and, and played, you know, football and chasing the dream of the NFL or, or at, you know, any professional level um, after, after high school. But uh, powerlifting came back into my life, I think about 2012 when I uh, – linked up with a Samoan uh, coach who was a world champion, uh, gold medalist, and he was uh, a phenomenal coach until he suddenly tragically passed away in a car crash, um, which which really, really took a toll on me um, starting out fresh and new, but just go piggyback riding off of what Cole was saying, you know, 
you don't speak about it. You know, you don't really get underneath that skin to allow people in because it is a it is a mental game. You know, it's, it's you versus yourself. And at the end of the day, you know, you have people cheering for you. You have supporters, you know, uh, from all over. But at the end of the day, it is you versus yourself. So, I mean, I, I think I think what you guys are doing as of today, um, tonight is a great, uh, great deal, because I think more and more people need to hear where we're coming from, not just as athletes, but as, you know, men and women. So, yeah. And that's a great point. Co, you did an individual sport. David, you did an individual sport. It is you guys versus everybody else. There's no team, really. There's no camaraderie. Uh, it's basically you, right? Uh, it's got to be kind of a lonely world in powerlifting or bodybuilding. It, it so. took me the it took me the longest time to figure out I was my own worst enemy. You know? yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, uh... Great. So we'll keep going with the introduction. So next we're going to go to Peter, episode thirty four. We wanted to have him on because his sport's interesting because it's it's a sport, but it's also acting and it's. It, it just last time he brought up some things about the whole mental game. You have to play it, with it's that. A, it's a sport, man. It's a it sport. is a sport, but it's yeah. combined multiple skills. So Peter, just briefly introduce yourself. Yeah, man, it is, it's a challenge. So, uh, my name is Peter Chantapon. I'm 37 years old. Uh, my father's Laotian and my mother is American. Uh, I live in Lafayette, Louisiana, and my sport is professional wrestling. So it's a crazy mix between athleticism, acting, and a whole bunch of crazy stuff. Uh, I started off really, really young, uh, growing up, watching it, loving it. And I just, I fell in love with the, the lights, the sounds, just the adrenaline rush. Because uh, as a kid, my grandfather would always take us to wrestling shows back in the day. Uh, he grew up in the Mid-South times and all of that stuff. And I just remember what it was like sitting in the front row with his kid and arguing with all the wrestlers and, and getting to know everybody. And I wanted that for myself. So um, my sports definitely helped me out a lot uh, and hurt me. Uh, I think when it comes down to sports and mental health, it can be a double-edged sword, you know, uh, like Cole said, you know, you do with, with us being part Asian and everything. We, we deal with a lot of bullying and stress like that just all the top. Um, me, man, I get mistaken for being Hispanic all the time. Uh, people come up to me, they start speaking Spanish. <laughs> and when I tell people I'm Laotian, the, the first thing they say is, man, what What's is that? that? You know? Yeah. Uh, you're chi- What's the difference? I thought you were Asian. Dude, Laos, China, we're all Asian. You know, they don't. It, it's, it really surprises me how some people don't understand that and get it. You know? Uh, but yeah, man, I, I think when it comes down to mental health, I'm so glad that we can sit down today and be able to talk about things like this because it's something that definitely needs to be brought up a lot more. I know as a child uh, and growing up, I was always kind of told to sit down and shut up and just deal with it. Uh, and we, we all know that's not the right way to do things. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, it's just so far with life, man. I do, I do a lot of reading, uh, a lot of self-development books. David Goggins, his books have absolutely changed my life. Uh, there's a, a lot of other guys I read up on, like Simon Sinek, uh, regarding business and everything. And yeah, man, I'm just, I'm happy to be here and I'm, I'm, I'm actually honored that y'all picked me to come back. <laughs> it means a lot to me, man. Thanks. Glad to have you. All right. And then the last athlete here, Malai episode 36, great interview. Malai's on here kind of from a two pronged approach, right? Malai, you were an athlete in college and then founded your own roller derby club but you're also kind of a newly minted mental health counselor. Um, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I appreciate the introduction a little bit there, John. Yep, Malai Buthakeo. I'm actually uh, in Des Moines, Iowa. I am 40 years old. I don't know if we're supposed to say age, but I'll say I'm 40 years old. Uh, just completed my master's in mental health therapy and counseling. Um, I've been a life coach for the last <clears throat> eight years as well. Um, so I've got a lot of, you know, interest in the mental health um, aspect of, of of life, really. I mean, obviously, with my master's, a little bit more on the therapy side. But, um, I mean, mental health, you know, regardless of, of culture and in, in athletes is something that I still even struggle with that kind of carries into my, you know, sometimes personal life as well. So maybe that's something that we speak on a little bit later. But, um, but yeah, so it interests me a lot, you know, and and. We talk about mental health here. All of us have said it. You know, <clears throat> we don't 
our parents weren't like that. They were, you know, they don't ask us how we're doing. You know, they don't ask us what we feel that, you know, they, they barely really even ask us about our sports <laughs> really, you know, and, and even then, you know, they, they are, I mean, first generation immigrant, they're, they're, they're trying to survive in this, in this, you know, in the U S they're, they don't, you know, some of some of them speak English, some of them don't, some of them read of it, read it, some of them don't read it, can't write it. So there's a lot of challenges in that. So when you are, you know, left as a, uh, a child growing up in the U.S., um, you got to find your way somehow, right? You've got to, um, you've got to find uh, ways to be able to, I guess, you know, uh, get your own needs taken care of physically and 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 mentally, really. So we find that a lot in in sports, as I'm sure most of us here know that that's where we found a lot of validation in ourselves in some way. Um, but yeah, I'll stop talking right now. But uh, that's me in a nutshell. All right. So that's the team. So now we're going to go back to you, David, and I'm going to kind of throw a prompt out and co and then even you, Malai, as a counselor can chime in. But so just kind of tell us about what you would hear from a mental standpoint. I mean, your sport of all, I think of powerlifting, you, you know, you just think it's about strength. Right. But the mental side is is also tremendous. Um, what was the most challenging thing from a mental aspect of your incredible powerlifting career? Um, how, how'd you overcome that? And then maybe what you would do differently today? I think most, the most critical and vital part in, in powerlifting is the preparation. Um, you know, you could sit here and say, well, I use it, you know, for example, the Arnold's, you know, competing at the Arnold's is a very prestigious, you know, uh, event. And it's an honor to ever be selected to go on stage and compete at the highest level. I mean, you're going against the best of the best in the world, the most strongest men and women in the world, and you have to go up there and you got to bring your A game. There's no turning back. There's no, you know, what I could done today. You know, what 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 could I have done today? You know, because once it's over, it's over. But I think the preparation is just like you know, co and bodybuilding. You may have an event that's a year out, and you're preparing for that main event. And for approximately maybe less than three minutes. And it's never enough time to prepare for an event like that. You think you have a lot of time, but then when, when it inches closer and closer, the mental game is so tough because now either you second guess yourself, you second guess your attempts, you just doubt yourself the day of. As you're getting up, you, you can't sleep, um, you, you can't uh, you can't think straight. So, a lot of fear. You know, you're you're going up there in front of a massive crowd, and the fear of the fear of just if I let myself down, I'm letting everybody down. You know, you're not you're not just representing yourself. You know, you're representing your people, you're representing your family, your last name. You know, you're like a walking billboard. You know, so I think. The biggest thing I would do now that I've, I, you know, I, I didn't compete last year um, is to slow things down, you know, control what you can control internally and everything else will work out itself. And then the biggest thing is I would say is uh, stay injury free, especially in a sport like that, you know, which which requires a lot of strength and power. But at the same time, like you mentioned before, it's a mental thing, you know. So I think that's what I would do differently. Just slow it down and, and just see it from afar and attack it that way. I think there's something that you said in there was, you know, you you prepare for this whole year. I mean, to, you, you got to give up a lot in your life, yeah. whether that be your diet, your time, your family, your job or whatever that is. So that's a sacrifice in itself. And then you mentioned, you know, there's never enough time. Right. So have I done enough? Have I, you know, X, Y, Z, we can just kind of keep that list yeah. going as athletes. Have I prepared enough for this moment? And in this moment, am I enough? So we amount these days of competition. We amount these days of, you know, the, the, the main event to all the work that we do that, that maybe tells us, are we enough? Absolutely. And so that that in itself, you know, and then it's a continuum. If you're playing a sport where, 
you know, you've got a game the next day, you've got a game, you know, you know, three days from now, how do you, how do you recover from my performance three days ago? And did I do enough there? You know, and if I didn't, you know, now I'm letting my, either my teammates down or myself down, but more importantly, like, even if I did good, I have to, I have to continue to do good. I have to like show up always in that, in that role or, or, or perform at that level because that's what people expect of me. So there's that constant <clears throat> pressure in that, in that way. And people are watching you, right? People are watching you and there's a level of judgment that comes from our, our, our number one, ourselves, but Absolutely. others, you know, um, fans, coaches, wh- whoever that might be family. So there's constant judgment coming to at us and how do we like kind of clear that noise, right? Like how do how do we just quiet that noise? And you said, you know, how do we slow down and focus on the things that we can control as these things are coming at us, you know, all the time in constant, you know, preparation for competition or or showtime in, in those ways. Absolutely. I mean it, 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 um, it, it's it, yeah, go ahead. No, no, go quick, go ahead. It's I mean I think the hardest thing now in, in today's world is social media. Uh, you know, we can sit here. I'm old school. So we can sit here and say, yeah, we're going to block out the noise. We say that. But do we how do you channel that, you know, internally and really, truly block that out to perform at your highest, you know, uh, ability um, on on game day, you know, and and. The judging, I mean, like I said before, you're, you know, we're all walking billboards and the constant judging of, or, or just the letdowns, you know, fear of that is, is so high. So some people get on stage and they croak. Some people can handle it, you know, as best they could. But I mean, at the same time, we all at some point in our lives feel that pressure, you know, um, it, it just, everybody has, everybody fights a battle every single day i think so and david man dude i'm with you on that and uh i think social media is such a good thing because you know it actually helps you you can it's it's easier to promote things bring more awareness but at Mm -hmm. the same time man it could be such a devil because people are so cold-hearted and they will critique you to the tiniest bit on everything you know Uh, they'll dig dirt up on you from 10 years ago and cancel culture is just so crazy nowadays people they don't want to just point out one fault they want to end your career you know yeah it's crazy i think david said it there like how do we how do we um you know turn down the noise and that there's there's not like one answer to that ever you know um every one of us has our own you know journey to to go on if we decide to explore that and i think it goes back to the point of we aren't taught to explore it though in our culture, right? right. That isn't something that um, is normal for us or it's easy to, you know, uh, engage in that conversation because we simply just weren't parts of those conversations and right. we didn't have those opportunities when we were younger. So, you know, twofold there, it's it's being able to, 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 to find that avenue and want to explore how do we do that? Well, there's a, there's something I can share with you guys real quick. I'll see uh, if you can see it on the screen enough. It's called The Subtitle Art of Not Giving Up. <laughs> and it's a great book, man. It really is. Uh, it's a good book. Kinda, yeah, I read that. Yeah, and it kind of answers your question. You know, in this world today, you can't, like David said, you can only control what you can control. And that includes your mentality. So to me, my personal belief, and this book helped me out a lot, was just learning what you really should care and not care about you know the mm-hmm. things that you should pay attention to and the things you, you know what just say screw it it is what it is uh i'm not saying it does, it's still gonna happen regardless because we're all human but it definitely helps and teaches you how to gauge what's really important and what really matters in your life yeah and, and that's it right it's differentiating between what's important and what's not it's definitely it's not mm-hmm. just i mean the, the book and the, and the title isn't just not not caring or not giving a fuck it's not caring about the things that don't matter Right, exactly. You know, David talked about shutting things off. I shut things off easily when I was up and coming in body. We didn't have, you know, we didn't have social media at that time. I and or even cell phones. If I had a cell phone, I left it 
I left in the locker room and I went and I focused on the gym. But now today you look at this, the new group of athletes that they use their gym as a way to market and promote themselves and, and all that stuff. Me, I just used the gym again at that time, train as hard as I can. And, and that was it. There was no other motive other than being better, you know, uh, for my next contest, but it, it's a double-edged sword, man. It's kind of like, yeah, people, you got to market yourself. You got to promote yourself. People want to see what you're doing, you know, but yeah, but man, there's some na- nasty people on social media, man. There's nasty people way back that I would get personal emails from way back, you know, back in the day when, when we didn't have uh, a website or nothing, man. And people are, uh, people are ruthless, man. And then they hide that behind that anonymity, you know, I want to say, you know, we're talking about social media right now. And if if we could do these things, you know what I mean? If we could put down the phone and if we do put down the phone and not engage in that social media media activity where there is that constant judgment, you think about what's left with us, right? What's left? What's left after that? It's us. We're left with our own, you know, our own voices in our own head, right? Like our own self-talk, which is even more defeating than what comes at us because it is things that we have believed about ourselves. And that's probably the scariest road to explore because it's actually just sitting with yourself and processing what those things might be for, for each, you know, each one of us. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Well, if, if your parents were anything like my parents, I didn't have much to think about. I didn't have much to think of, of myself at all. I did not think you know, uh, yeah. and, and that's your that, that's your answer right there. Yeah. So, or, or, or that that's that's the the deeper pieces of, of that is that if I had parents like if you had parents like mine, I didn't I didn't get that. Right. right. And so, what is that impact with that? Right. And and you know, for me, I will say you know, um, it's not like my parents didn't pay attention to my sports, but that's where I got a lot of validation of of who I was, right? In a, in a small, small town, Iowa, you know, an immigrant town where, you know, all of our, all of our parents and all of the Laotians and Cambodians and Vietnam and Thai worked at a meat processing plant, right? But low skill, low skill labor. And um, a kid from that product, like, what do, what do I amount to? Oh, well, I happen to be actually be good at sports, right? So it's that constant, like, I'm going to stand out, right? I'm going to work really hard to stand out so I can be noticed, so I can be seen, right? Because I wasn't being seen by my parents in that way that felt made me feel good, right? Because Asian parents aren't verbal, right? They don't express themselves verbally. Um, I mean, hell, they hardly express themselves physically as well to us as, you know, even as as children. And and even as adults, I mean, we, we talk about that, but those are the things that we're trying to fill or that I tried to fill in my void of growing up as an athlete. And then that really, that the, the place where I get stuck is like, if I'm this good, I have to constantly show up that good. And can I constantly show up that good? Well, if I am not, if I don't try as hard, I won't have to live up to that high expectation, you know? And, and that becomes, um, you know, your own mental, mental, you know, uh, uh, mental blockage. And the other pieces of it, when, when, ath- when athletics are gone, right. If wrestling is gone, if bodybuilding is gone, if softball has gone, we're still left with ourselves. And that's why I think mental health is so important. Yeah. You know, it's uh, such an important because but for that reason. So, you know, I agree, man, for sure. Uh, you know, me, uh, on my regular nine to five job, I, I work an hour and a half away from home and I drive another hour and a half back. So I have a lot of time in the cars. It's like, man, one of the worst places to be because my mind is just flowing with things and, and I'm, I'm going a million miles an hour. But touching what you say, yes, uh, I, I think I'm my own worst enemy. Definitely. Um, this past weekend, I had a really, really big opportunity with wrestling and I'm, I'm glad I did it. <laughs> But it took a lot for me to do it. <laughs> and the crazy part about it is I was a hard to go to a place in Texas. And I worked for this company called TSW. And what they did was they do studio style wrestling. So uh, it's not a big WWE arena or anything like that. It's very small. 
but there's lights, there's cameras, there's entrance ways, there's TV production. Uh, they're on Fight TV. They are on their own app. And it, the company is ran by people I've been known for years. Uh, but the locker room is very different. A lot of big names, a lot of superstars and stuff. And it was just an environment I had never been in before. And I was intimidated as hell, even though I was going up there and I was working with people I knew. It was just, it was scary. And I almost missed out on a big opportunity because I just felt like I wasn't good enough. You know, I almost felt like I didn't deserve to be there. But luckily, I mean, I sucked it up and went and everything went fine and we got invited to go back. <laughs> That's awesome. What, what, was that, what, was, what was that last piece of advice you gave yourself to to go through with it? Really? Uh, and I, I know I keep going back to these books, man, like the David Goggins and this stuff book. And I just find they helped me out so much because in his last book, he talked about front loading. And like Molly said, at the end of the day, what happens when sports are gone? And once he started talking about front loading, that's something I've been trying to incorporate in my life. And what front loading is, is basically accepting that one day pro wrestling is going to be gone for me. One day bodybuilding is going to be gone for you. One day powerlifting is going to be gone with you. And I want to be able to look back and say, hey, I front loaded enough and did as much as I could so that when that day comes and I'm, I have to stop, I can be happy and I can be content with it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. You guys all hit it on the head, man. I mean, everything I want to say, you guys already said it, going from my parents, our upbringing, to bullying, to feeling so isolated. You know, me growing up, I was, uh, I didn't have a mom and dad that was supportive of anything. I, you know, that, well, you know, I didn't, I didn't get to really truly have a relationship with my father until I was in my twenties. So growing up in a single household, mom didn't speak any English. You know, we live in a section eight housing, um, went from section eight housing to, to a trailer park, just growing up so hard, you know, not, not having much, but to call our own, but athletics was my way out it was my release from the hurt the pain the being judged from all corners you know uh always being bullied all the time you know and and, and it just brings back so much of that that childhood that that was so much you know so many battles you know at home outside of home at school on the playground you know everywhere uh, amongst the Laotian community, you know, you know, you always have people say, you know, Luke, Mami, Paul, you know, all the time. I hear it all the time. So it, it, it was always a put down, you know. So you walk around like, am I ever going to be good enough? So that mental game started very young. And then it just, you know, as you <clears throat> gradually get older, it just channels differently. And you may not even notice it then. But as you get older, you know, I, I became a very angry person. Um, I, I had a lot of anger issues because I didn't know I didn't know how to channel it. I didn't have anyone to talk to. Yeah. So it was it was really tough. It was really tough, you know. Um it's just me and my sister, you know, me and my sister, and my mom. And um just not knowing where we we're gonna stay the next time or where we're going to move to again. And, you know, so we were always hopping around all the time. So it was a very unstable environment growing up. But at the same time, my only thing that kept me going was sports. You know, um, I had family members was involved with the Bloods and Crips, you know, gang banging and stuff. You know, I could have easily went that direction, but I didn't. And um, sports saved my life. But at the same time, it many lessons. Um, going back to what, you know, you guys are saying about parents and stuff, you know, the Laotian community, you know, our parents don't show us emotions, you know, um, it's always shut up, you know, don't worry about it, you know, and it's, it's always a cutthroat, you know, it's, it's never, uh, why, why you want to waste your time, you know, playing sports It's not going to bring any money in the house, you know, it's always about that, oh. you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, uh, it's never good enough, you know. Why are you going to play football for? Why are you going to do that? You know, you're wasting your life away. You know, we didn't come to the United States for, for you to play and waste, waste your life, you know, away off of that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of it, uh, I, I, think it I think it molds us as people, you know, 
maybe we didn't know it then, but you know, as you get older, you reflect back. It molds us in so many different ways, you know, the good and the bad. So I, I think it's critical that in our stories, we exchange our stories. We can take a little bit from each other, and and it's it's crazy because we all feel the same way. Yeah. Hey, you know, man, even just coming on here is uh, it's mental. It's very mentally relieving to me. <laughs> like yeah. I said, uh, I can't express how much it means to me that you guys actually asked asked me to come, uh, because I like y'all. I struggle with my parents, especially my dad. Uh, with my mom being American. Laos wasn't really spoken but very much in my household, so I don't, I can't speak a lot. Uh, I really wish I could. Uh, me and him, we never really saw eye to eye, and uh, excuse me, but one of the things I struggled with the most, and I kind of told Cole and him last time, was I struggled with the Laotian community mostly uh, when I was a kid. Uh, without New Year, all that stuff, and uh, I was it was basically known that I wasn't wanted there because I couldn't speak Laos and I was a half breed, I was a mud. It was, I'm sorry, excuse me. No, no problem. Don't excuse good. yourself you're at all. You yeah. know, you're, thank you for being vulnerable. And, with and, you're good, yeah. Man. And just to set the stage for those of you no, who haven't heard Peter's episode, he grew up in they call it like uh. The Lao Village. It's like right yeah. there's a the area. It's literally all the streets are named after Lao cities, and right, it's like this isolated Lao community, right, Peter? Yeah, you know, yeah. You and, uh, <laughs> so you know, once once I hit that middle school, uh, preteen kind of years, uh, I started getting integrated with a lot more La Laotian kids, and they just knew I was different. You know, uh, I wasn't like them. I couldn't speak, so I always felt kind of like I was an outcast. You know, uh, but there was wrestling for me. Every Monday night on TV, watching and watching and watching it. And uh, I got my tights right here. I got my wrestling gear. And uh, that's the first thing you see on the side of my pants. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he helped out a lot, man. And I know we talk about our parents a lot. Uh, and me and my dad did struggle for a long time with our relationship. And one of the things I had to learn to do myself was forgive him. You know, uh, like you said, your parents just want you to work, 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 make money. I almost had to take a step back and realize, like, what was if I, what was, how would I feel if I was a 15 year old kid having to leave home and staying in a refugee camp for a year, you know, coming into a place where I didn't, didn't know how to speak and still having to build a life? Uh, all they knew was sink and swim. And that was passed on, on to us growing up in a whole different area. So, that was something I had to start learning how to be vulnerable about with him, you know, and, and give him some leeway and some forgiveness along with that and stop blaming him so much. Cause I blamed him for so long for so many things, you know? So you may not know this, Peter, but after we did that last post on you and um, Sankut, when you guys did that wrestling match, yeah, he sent us a personal note thanking us and saying how proud of you he is. Oh, good. Uh, yeah. So I don't know if you know that, but he he sent it to us. So no, I didn't, um, man. And you know, uh, getting to meet him was great. Uh, I looked it up. I don't know if I am, but I still think I'm the only. I was the first Laotian wrestler that I know of. Uh, he was the second one, and Sean was the third. Uh, but yeah, the match with me and him went. It was fun. He's a. Oh, I met your dad. I was just to be clear. I was talking about your dad. Sent us a personal note. Oh, he did. About, yeah, about how proud he was of you. I, I um, and thanking that. us for featuring you. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> so, I didn't know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was very nice. Um, I'm very proud of him, too. He, he's yep. come a long way. Yeah. Um, I mean, Peter and, and David, like, sharing your story like that, being vulnerable, you know, that that is trauma, right? And I know trauma can be, like, a, a weird word because we don't want to associate ourselves with something that feels really heavy like that. But it's trauma. And that's something that I want to, you know, that I'm pushing as a mental health therapist is that these are things that it's okay to talk about. Like we've all had trauma in our lives and, and being able to say that word and, you know, accept that we don't have to accept it as our reality today, as in like we live in that trauma world, right? We can break free from the trauma, which Peter, it sounds like you have and David, you as well as we can break free from that trauma and see it as, as these things, like you said, Peter, you let go of the things that you were angry about with your dad and seeing him in a different way, even because he also experienced trauma. Right. Right. 
he also experienced, like you said, can you imagine being 15, having to live in a, you know, refugee camp and then come to a, you know, a country where you literally know nothing? Like, yeah. that's some shit. That's like, yeah. that's things I don't know that I would be able to do if I was, when I was 15, you know? And so like, th those are all things that we, we can, if we choose to explore them as, as just people in general, but we're speaking as athletes, as people that shows up as an, in our athletic abilities, right. Or an athletic paralysis, right. Well, what we're going for that shows up. So when we can explore these things, you know, we don't have to be our best. Like you said, you know, David, I can let go of the things I can't control. Right. Because we're holding on to that control so much. If we work, 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 we do, 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 we'll get, get, get right. But if we yeah. let go of that, including some of that, you know, some of that trauma in the way that it kind of holds us hostage in those ways, we can be free from those things, right? And then we actually have mental, more mental capacity for other things. Yeah. Going back to like what, what Peter was saying too, like being, you know, Laotian, feeling not accepted um, is a it was such a big deal growing up and even 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 today here and there you you feel like sometimes you're accepted sometimes you're not but you question it because like you said earlier you know you you get mistaken for being hispanic or whatever i get mis mistaken all the time for being uh, hispanic all the time or even even uh questioning if i was <laughs> if, if i was black you know uh <laughs> it, it's funny but i mean it's whatever but you know you can't yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but I just roll with it, you know. It's it's whatever. But uh, my other job, you know, is being a police officer in a very dangerous and homicidal, you know, city in in South Bend. So I deal with a lot of highs and lows um, on calls that I don't think the average person could handle something like that, you know, from watching uh, a four-year-old being shot and killed and I have to be there on a call trying to save his life or being on a call where, you know, someone is being sexually assaulted, you know, and you have to go in there and gather information. But I look at my kids, I have a four-year-old at home, you know, I have teenagers at home and I have to look at them and think, man, imagine that if that was your children. And you have to be that strong Superman and you have to be that strong person for everybody, even though you may struggle, which I'm not going to lie. I, I do struggle. I, I do struggle with mental health. And I think I've been struggling the last last several years. Um, it's been a lot of pressure and I'm just trying to hold back my emotions right now because this is the first time I actually get to really talk about it because you don't really have anyone who who you feel that you can talk to and that will give you know them your time. So it, it, it is struggle. You know, it, it's a struggle, but I think right now as we're talking about it, you know, little by little, it does release a lot of the uh, emotional, you know, baggage that you, that you've been holding on you know and uh, going back to you know what you're saying peter too even with your dad you know i struggled not knowing who my father was but only knew bits and pieces of what what man he was you know being a pow uh, vietnam war being captured and then fleeing the country to come over here and, and him and my mom in a refugee camp you know they left so many people back home in laos who knows if they're alive or not. I was just contacted uh, last week actually by my aunt saying that the only survival of his side of the family, his brother and, and sister is the only one remaining, you know, in Laos and never trying to get a hold of me. So I was just like, wow, that's powerful, you know? And, and I think being like, what you guys were saying earlier, you know, nobody knows about our culture, you know, nobody knows who we are. You say Laos and no one even knows what that is. So sometimes, you know, back when I was growing up, I would have to say, well, I'm Thai, just so that it's something to grab a hold on to because nobody knows what Laos is. So I just say Thai. 
So it's like growing up, you you have to fake it to make it. I don't want to do that anymore. You know, I'm proud of who I am. I'm proud of our culture. I'm proud of all you guys. We we've never met physically, but I feel we connect in so so many ways. And again, I'm 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 honored again to be back on the show and and be able to express, you know, my life and and my stories and and, and where I came from amongst you guys too. So I really do appreciate that, David. Really. Selfishly, there see a mental health therapist. You know, like, I don't want you to wait till the, maybe this podcast to be able to to open up. I appreciate that you have found this ability to be able to do it with this with this medium, but seek a therapist. You know, you just talked about being a police officer, too. You're adding lots of layers on onto lots of things. Yeah. So just encourage you selfishly see a therapist. I just turn it off and come home. I mean, that's like Cole was saying earlier, he, you know, you can easily turn it off, but that that is something that I can do. Uh, I know a lot of people can't do it. I see, I see a lot of tragedy. I, I really do. I mean, it's, it's God awful out here. There's a lot of things I don't tell people what I see or what I go through out here. I just go home. I go home to my kids, you know, uh, you know, with my son being a football player, we travel a lot. So all my energy is for my family and my kids. I, I grew up with nothing. So, the pride and joy that I have giving back to them. That's, that's where all my focus is at, you know, and you're you right. To, you know, you learn to turn it off Yeah. as children, but we don't really turn it off, David. We don't like, we learn how to do it in those moments. Right. So that we can right. continue on, but we hold on to a lot. Hello, man, David, uh, for one, man, thank you for your service, dude, because I have mad respect for any kind of police officer, military veteran, or even school teachers. Some of the stuff you guys have to put up with, man, is, is unbelievable, you know? Uh, it's very very underappreciated. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but like she said, man, open up, dude, because, uh, you know, you can only turn on, I truly believe, and like, I'm not a therapist or anything, but you can only turn on and off for so long, man. That stuff builds up. You know, and I know personally, uh, I'm pretty good at it myself uh, at work. I'll turn things on, turn things off. And then uh, there's been a few times where I've shamed to admit it, but me and my wife will have a little argument, you know, over something not having to do with work. Something happens with her and I, and man, next thing you know, I explode. Every, everything comes out at once, you know. It's yeah. crazy. It, and and I, I've never publicly said this. But I feel so strongly about it because I know whoever's going to watch this, it's going to connect with somebody. And I feel that I should share it. When I was going through what I was going through with the police department, you know, years back, you know, and, and I was going, I was struggling. I, I really was. And at one point, I almost ended my life. Sitting in my squad car, I cried many nights. I was struggling so bad. It, it was just, I could not figure out why I was struggling as hard as I was, even though I was a strong person, you know, emotionally, physically, mentally, I was a strong person. I, I could take a lot, you know, I had to grow up fast, but, you know, years, a couple of years back, I had my service weapon next to me. I was contemplating so, so hard and I had it out. And I just kept thinking to myself, I just had a, I just had a newborn. And I was, I was just thinking to myself, if, if I ended myself right now, would anybody care? You know, am I valuable to anybody? You know, I, I just felt like I was a ghost, you know, I was walking around empty. Like I felt like, you know, I go to work, do my thing, I service my community, you know, I, I do everything for my family, but I just felt like, Man, I, I'm just not, I'm not good enough in this world. And I was battling real hard. And if it wasn't for my wife, man, it, it would have been over with. But, man, she stuck but stuck beside me. And that's that's a strong woman, man. So she got me through it. And I'm David, here today, so. David, I that for you to share something like that, I, it's like an honor for all of us to, that you feel safe yeah. enough to do that. So I appreciate that. And I appreciate that you're still here today. 
because like you said, you know, uh, whoever listens to this podcast or whatnot, will take, take little bits and pieces out of this conversation. And I'm hoping that, you know, with, with what you just shared could also be, you know, maybe even life-saving for someone. So that's yeah. like really appreciated. There's someone else thinking about that now, I, to be honest, right? There's somebody out there at that point also. So. Yeah, I'm glad I, I got I to think... meet you today. Kale, yeah, I got Co, a, a pro bodybuilder. I got you a powerlifter. I'm ready to hit the gym. You know, <laughs> I got me pumped. <laughs> well, and it's, it's that it's that saying though. It's like you are not alone, right? I mean, that has to be. I don't think just saying it and having signs about it is going to make people, you know, understand it. But it's just just believing in that, you know, people have to know that there's an outlet. People have to know, you know, especially nowadays. Nowadays, there's a lot of resources and tools that you can use and um, help is available. But when I was coming up, I, I, I felt that sense of loneliness. Now, I don't, I don't know if I ever got to the point of where I, I, I wanted to kill myself, but I knew that there are days where I didn't want to live. And I was just like, and I'm just like, you know, it's like, I'd rather be a little bitch. You know, it's like, oh, can you kill me? You know? And like, I, I couldn't do anything. I, I couldn't imagine like, uh, you know, harming myself or, or committing the act. But he's like, man, if I don't live, I don't live, you know? And, and I just, yeah, man, it's just, and I think this is important. And I, I just, I, I'm so glad you guys came on and shared. David, bro, I, man, dude, that was I appreciate you, man. Um, in more ways than yeah. one, you know. And uh, I, I've never told that to anybody, man, and publicly. Yeah. And well, thank I you, just, bro. That means a lot to yeah. you. You know, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say this that you know, suicidal ideation is actually very common. Um, and and people think about it a lot more than we want to talk about. Um, but but we are human. Now, obviously, where it becomes dangerous is when we start maybe making plans, we start, you know, going down that route. But, but you know, suicide ideation is actually somewhat normal. Mm-hmm. Is that surprising to anybody on this? No, because <laughs> no. in a way, I kind of felt like that already. So to hear that doesn't really surprise me too much. Uh, I, I kind of had a situation similar to his. So um, I think everybody thinks about it at least once or twice, you know. Uh, so of course, some people to different levels and degrees, but I think it crosses people's mind at least once or twice. You know, you know what saves my life or what has saved my life? And it's what my father taught me at a very young age. Now, being Laotian, you're Buddhist, um, and he's always sharing, like, wisdom with me, right? And... I must have been feeling bad or got in a fight with my mom or something. And I probably said something like, man, I don't, I don't want to live anymore. And I can't, I, I don't want to be here anymore. And he taught me, you know, um, there's that proverb about like committing suicide and how that's worse. Taking your own life is worse than taking, you know, it's worse than murder. Murder, you're murdering yeah. somebody else, right? Yeah. Suicide, you're taking away the gift that was given to you. Right. Um, and it's like do you anybody that goes through something now, you know, whether it's true or not, what he told me, he just said, like, you'll just you're gonna live in eternal hell, like for the rest of your life. And that was enough to scare me, man. Because like, okay, this is one bad day. I can't imagine you know, a thousand of these, you know, rolling up together, you know. And that that was enough for me to say, like, I don't I don't want to do that. But uh yeah, it's just so, you know, some things he would share with me and like you know, I, I mean, yeah, there's some religions, I guess, that suicide is not, uh, um, mm-hmm. well, what's the word I'm trying to say? It's like, uh, it's forbidden, right? Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that's one thing that, yeah, having him tell me that, that's stuck with me for the longest time ever since I was a kid. And I just always like, God, if did, I, I would say to myself, if the day got bad, if today is bad, imagine having this day over and over and over for eternity. Mm-hmm. Right? And, that's just something, okay, well, that, that's enough for me to, I, I didn't want to do want any part of that. So, Mai, why don't we, why don't we hear from you a little bit? Tell us about um, the biggest challenge for you in your athletic pursuits meant from a mental side. I mean, I think I kind of mentioned it a little bit before is like, you know, 
being great, like we all want to be great and we all want to work towards that greatness. But then there's also that fear of having to show up as great all the time. You know, it's like, you, you know, you have to, you, you're expected to um, show up and play and perform the same way every time because something or someone is counting on you. So that's probably my biggest block as an, as an athlete is that if I'm, if I'm too good, then I'm going to have to live up to that really good you know, all the time. And that would, that seemed like really overwhelming to me. And, and that, that was my struggle. Yeah. Wow. That's good. So Peter, I know you kind of touched on this, but give us uh, kind of, again, a brief overview of the biggest struggle you had in your athletic pursuits from a mental perspective. Me, man, it, it's crazy. Cause there's so many different aspects um, in pro wrestling. Uh, I know you see different characters, you see different bodies, you see different colors, athletes, all kind of stuff. Uh, I know whenever we did the, the wrestling podcast, me and Alan, we talked about uh, the it factor. But in pro wrestling, you have to have what's called the it factor, but nobody can actually tell you what it is. Uh, it's a business, you know, so you have to be marketable. You have to have something that sells, something different, something outside of the box whether it be your look, your athleticism, the way you talk on the microphone, anything like that. Um, so, I mean, I was a 17-year-old kid stripped down to my underwear in front of a bunch of grown men, and they're pointing at me, telling me, you need to work on this in your body. You need to look this way. You need to tan. You need to do this, and blah, blah, blah. And, I mean, some of the things I pretty much – it back then, those days, it was almost like a fraternity, uh, and they beat the crap out of you. They wanted to make sure you could hang with them. I mean – some of the stuff I had to go through is probably borderline <laughs> child abuse because I was so young getting into it. Um, but the peer pressure around it, man, uh, around 2005 and six, when I was in my twenties, I was, was when I kind of experimented with the steroids and a lot of the drug use and everything. Uh, I find that the deeper I got into the pro wrestling world and finding out the kind of lifestyle you had to live, you know, uh, like you guys talked about showing up and preparing yourself for a contest or being the best in pro wrestling. There's no on or off season. It's 24 seven. You know, I have four to five shows a month, which is pretty much every weekend. Um, my body hurts each and every day. Uh, and I'm not even doing it on the level that some of these guys are. Um, so I quit, you know, um, I quit for a long time because I, I kind of fell out of love with it. Uh, and what happened was 2010 was my last match. Uh, in 2017, my mother passed away. Um, at that time, my father wasn't working. Him and my sister, they moved in with me. I was helping them financially. I just had to dish out 14 grand for my mother's funeral. And I had a situation kind of similar to David's. Uh, I was at my parents' house. Uh, it was empty. Nobody was even living there. Uh, and my cousin came, pulled me out and she's like, Hey, uh, you need to go back to wrestling, <laughs> you know, uh, do something for yourself. And that's how I got back into it. Uh, but going back into it, I had to tell myself that this time I couldn't go balls to the wall. I couldn't be around the drugs and the peer pressure and everything, you know, uh, especially having a family now. So right now, um, uh, it still can be a very toxic environment, uh, with the backstage politics and, the bookings and the money and all of the peer pressures, but uh, it's just me trying to keep a healthy balance now. It was the best part. Mm -hmm. Wow. How did you stay clear of, and I don't know, you can share if, if you want or not, but um, did you have any issues? Again, wrestling. I mean, I, I followed my whole life. Injuries. You're just you're injured, but you got to work. So was there any temptation to use painkillers? I use them a lot, man, especially in my younger years. Uh, so this is where my dad's uh, hard work, Laotian mentality kind of always stuck with me, you know. Uh, at the time, I was in my early 20s, and uh, I had just got back from a road trip in Arkansas. Uh, I just started a, a cycle of tests two weeks before. Uh, I had done a line of cocaine and smoked a bunch of marijuana on a trip. So my parents never gave me anything. Even in high school, I had to work for cars, vehicles, and all of that stuff. And I had all of these bills and, and stuff like that. And um, I caught on fire at my job. <laughs> I burnt my left arm and had second-degree burns. And um, I got drug tested. And then next thing you know, my income was gone. So it was like, what the hell am I going to do now? You know? And, like, 
that was a very crappy feeling to knowing that I, I gave away my income and my livelihood and all of that just for some partying, you know? So I kind of took that and ran with it. And I decided that the moment is just, it wasn't worth it. You know, it really wasn't. Uh, now I just, with injuries and stuff, man, I just take time if I need it. Uh, sometimes I back off. I'll cancel a few shows if I need to, because it's, to me, it's just not that important. Uh, I'll hyperextend my knee not that long ago. Took a few weeks off. Did what I had to do, you know. Uh, it's just a path I don't want to go behind because I've seen so many people do it. I recently just had a friend two months ago who drank himself to death, 38 years old, you know. Um, I, I, I don't want to end up like that. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's, that's one thing I noticed too. Growing up in bodybuilding, I saw a lot of deaths like from my 20s and on and guys were my peers guys in their 20s are dying i'm in my 30s guys in the 30s are dying guys in the 40s then i follow wrestling and they're dying all the time you know they're dying young you know and i just it's, it's pretty it's it's gloomy it's talk about you know like that environment that you're in it's uh you know. i almost feel like with wrestling and i don't know if anybody else feels like that when it comes down to sports or just any kind of entertainment like that but I almost felt like I was sold a broken dream, you know, like, Hey man, this, this is pro wrestling. This is what it looks like on TV. You know, all the glitz, the glamor, the money. And then when you get into you, you just learn about this dark side, you know, they don't, they don't market that. And of course they're not, they shouldn't because they wouldn't make money if they did. Yeah. Bodybuilding was the old magazines of the guy, Charles Atlas at the beach and women are all hanging all over them. Yeah. And it's nothing. It is nothing <laughs> like that. Yeah. Wow. Well, so, so Malai, I mean, as the counselor, you've heard a lot of different angles here, but I think there's some common themes. Yeah. Give us some kind of parting thoughts on all this. I mean, you know, overall, I, I, I heard everyone's story, which again, I appreciate everyone, you know, talking about this is, you know, we don't sit down at a dinner table and just start, you know, chit chatting about our, our trauma or, or, you know, our childhood growing up. And this is not a daily coffee conversation. So um, it could be it's a hard topic to explore, but to explore it um, and to take the step to do it is is the first hardest thing that you got to do, you know, but some common things that I heard, I mean, we talk about, so we're talking about athletes, right? Then we talk about the cultural aspect of, it, you know, and so the common things that I've, I've heard is, you know, am I enough, right? finding sports as a place to belong and then finding out, you know, trying to work ourselves into like, again, if I, if I'm doing these things, like, am I enough? Have I done enough? You know, who am I when I've had all these things that have happened in my life, I've found sports and it should amount to something, right? It should amount to this happiness. It should amount to, you know, validating who I am as a person. But when, you know, when, when those things are, um, become a little bit further out of reach, right? Or, you know, no longer in our lives anymore. You know, we've got to look at ourselves and 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 wonder how we're not, how we're showing up, not only just as athletes, right? And why we, you know, have identified sports as this, this you know, medium of, of figuring those things out. All these traumas that we've heard, even in, in the stories today is like, you know, drug use, um, you know, the suicide ideation, you know, ways to be able to cope with the enormous like pressure that we give ourselves, right? But also the enormous pressure that we're kind of taught culturally in those ways. And so that's kind of common thing that I've I've heard here. And again, I'll be biased again and uh, be a little, you know, selfish, but mental health, you know, find a therapist. Um, I appreciate this forum to be able to, to put that out there and say, this is okay to talk about. And you're not also alone in, you know, in your story, because we all find comfort in a place where we can belong. And, and this has given us a forum to belong in, in these ways, but we can even do more of it by exploring these things for ourselves. Very good. Thank Absolutely. you, Malai. And then, so I, we're going to wrap up folks. Go ahead, Co. I want to add thoughts. one thing in, yeah. in regards to therapists, when you find one and you get results and you're feeling good, don't just think that I don't need this anymore and I'm cured. Um, I made the mistake of that. It's like, it's it should be a continuous lifelong journey. You know, I mean, you don't got to go every week or every other week, but when you find one, someone that you're comfortable with, and that's the thing too, you're going to have to shop around, you know, not just not just go with the first one that uh, that, you know, comes up. 
uh, and see how you fit, you know, how you get along with that person. And it's, I, I still, yeah, I'm still seeing a therapist. You know, I, I go once a month. Um, I still go to AA meetings uh, because it's just, you know, if I didn't tell anybody I'm an alcoholic, but I still go because like, I don't think for me, I know that I can never have the attitude of, okay, I'm fixed. And I, right. well, let's move on. I will say when I was life coaching at the same time, before I was a therapist, I saw a lot of people who were doing therapy and life coaching, right? So using different mediums to be able to to help yourself in some way or resources to help yourself in some way um, is totally okay, you know, yeah. and um, be, accept that because it is, it's, it should be what we give to ourselves. And it's, it's definitely like who you surround yourself with, the people, the environment you surround yourself with, you know, like, had you guys been around when I was 13, 14 years old, I might have a different, I might have come up, you know, differently, but I didn't have anybody, you know, talking about how we were, we're all growing up with, I didn't have anyone at 12 or 13. So it was all bottled up, you know, it was my fuel, it was my anger, but you know, it, it, it took me far, but also it, it caused me to crash. So, wow. Um, well, thanks, Co. Thanks, everybody. Hey, guys, very brave of you to come on. Um, you know, this is a very powerful episode. We appreciate uh, everybody being open and honest because there are other folks out here that hopefully um, this episode will help and bring about awareness, let them know they're not alone in these struggles, whether they're an athlete or not, to be honest. So, so thank you, everybody. So, thank you. The C4 Podcast is brought to you by the Lao American Sports Hall of Fame. Visit us on the web at LaoAmericanSports.com, celebrating the first, inspiring the next.